0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com.
0: So, you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. No. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and blues that sing. It's gonna get you some in the
1: air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte.
2: And my name is Souther Teague.
1: Hey, Souther, how are things going at Atari your new spot?
2: uh man it is really kicking off um last night was tuesday night and of course uh we're finally now open on, on tuesdays uh which i think is it should be a requisite I, for anything that's uh you know has a mexican slant so of course we kicked off taco tuesdays um yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh i mean right i don't know what we were thinking um and so what we're doing now on tuesday evenings is we're having uh uh, One dollar tacos well, w- for with any cocktail that you purchase. So, people are coming in and getting some really delicious food and drinking some tequila and mezcal cocktails. Um, but so far, man, it's it's not quite four months old yet, and we are just having a blast over there. So I, I can't wait for you to get back to the city and come check it out with me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get back there actually this month. Uh, later oh. this month, finally uh, back to New York. Um, but I was I was also kind of wondering about this. So. I don't know if your drinking style has changed during like COVID, uh, but like mine, like I've always been a huge fan of, you know, martinis and Negronis and old fashions in Manhattans. Those are like the big four to me, right? They're all stirred. They're all boozy. That's nothing new to you. That's your, that's your life with like Amorio Margo. Right. But it's more on the bitter side. Lately, I, I don't know what it is. And I, I've just been like drinking martinis like crazy. Like that's like, I, or it's whiskey sodas it's just whatever it is it has to be really crisp and clean and i was just thinking about aaria and like since your focus is on tequila and mezcal it, i mean that is about as pure and clean and like earthy and like i i feel like it's a the earthiness really works with kind of like going going from like bitter to and like earthy like mezcals and tequilas and rices and sotols and things like that has your drinking style changed now That like i mean one that you're you're Dealing with a, a very another very specific spirit category, but also you've got citrus around now, which yeah. is something you've never had before, right? Has, has um, your personal drinking style changed at all?
2: I will say, you know, it's interesting that you would bring that up, and the answer is uh, an unequivocal yes, um, but also in a strange way, kind of no. I think more, you know, it's it's uh, just timing uh, with Ataria opening up. Uh, you know, in the warmer months, and uh, my I think my drinking style changes based on the weather in general. But in this case, I've started drinking a lot more um, – I drink tequila and tonic, which has been t- just you know refreshing and bright and delicious. And I've been drinking uh, – speaking of martinis, I've been making martinis with mezcal. So mezcal, dry vermouth, uh, and sometimes a little bit of orange bitters um, have been my kind of go-to's for the past couple of months.
1: Nice. I, you know, I always loved – there's this Kazuyo Yeta thing that he would always do where he'd put, like, a little bit of eau de v or a little bit of vodka in, like, a in an otherwise pretty standard classic cocktail, and it really makes all the other flavors pop. I really like the idea of using – I've always kind of – not always, but I've done it with – if I'm making a martini with, say, like, block vermouth, Kind of like maybe even rinsing the glass with mezcal, just to give it like a little extra something, you know. And so I like that you're going full tilt with it. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's you know
2: full tilt being a fifty-fifty, so it's still you know yeah. I'm washing it down pretty considerably. That's how I enjoy a martini because that that, that way I know I can enjoy more than one. Um,
1: and you know, what, what they say about martinis, right? One's uh, not enough, and three's still not enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, too much of a good thing is still a good thing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, uh in other news. <laughs> yeah.
1: Say, speaking of, we've got the news <laughs> that we, uh, are nominated for a fourth time. Is it four times now?
2: Four times, uh, nominated for, uh, best podcast, broadcast, and video series by the Spirited Awards from Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, and I am, I, I'm stoked. Like, I think it's great that we keep getting nominated, um, Always we've a brides, been, always a bridesmaid is fine in this scenario.
1: Yeah, we've been nominated every year since it has become a category in the Spirit Awards. That's correct. I didn't think Awards about it that way, good. but that's correct. So um, that to is, me, it's like a bigger than a win, right? <laughs> the nomination every year. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, like I, like I've always said, you know, uh, or like I've been saying since we keep getting nominated but not winning, you know, uh, it's probably. Not easy for people to remember who won four years ago, but we keep being in it every year. That just keeps our name up on the marquee, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I'm perfectly okay. You know, it's the Susan Lucci
1: path. we got to come up with something new because I don't think people these days remember who Susan Lucci is.
2: I mean, I think that's just so historic. It's obviously not current, but man, she was nominated for 12 before winning her first Daytime Emmy Award, right? Uh, That's kind of like the longest streak ever.
1: Is she still doing it?
2: Ah, Hell if I know. (laughs) Is she still alive? Hell if I know. I don't know, man. See, come on. Oh man. Uh, Well, here we are at the late stages of summer. Uh, You know, the the embers of summer are beginning to burn out already, and another year where I've not stuck my toes in salt water or had my feet in sand, which is a crime uh, to me. Um, You know, that's I come. I grew up on a beach. I love the beach. Anytime I can break away I go to a beach but due to the ongoing pandemic I haven't been really more than three miles from my apartment in now 19 months um, so to sort of at least band-aid that uh, ailment a little bit um, we're welcoming into the studio our friend Kyle from uh, uh, from the Bahamas Kyle welcome thank you guys welcome happy to be here
1: yeah welcome hey so man Kyle Jones man um, super so happy to you have know you know uh, you know about the differences of uh, Summertime versus—I mean, you're from Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you're from a place that gets pretty damn cold, and right. you're living it up in the Bahamas now. And you have a bar called Bon Vivants, correct?
3: Correct. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the weather difference. I mean, I, we spent um, about eight years in New York City before moving down here. My wife's Bahamian, which which brought us down here. Um, so, I'm a kind of guy who I like a little bit of sweater sweater weather. Um, so moving down here, it, it, it's like, I feel like it's my job to sweat anymore. It's just always hot. And it's, it, I know, poor me, uh, kind of thing, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have to get used to it. I, I, you don't have the seasons anymore. It's, it's super hot all the time. Um, but it's it, the trade-off is you get the beautiful blue water and, and the beach, obviously
1: all the time too. Yeah, it must be, it must be real hard. Um, <laughs> It's a difficult <laughs> life to
2: wake up every day and see beautiful Bahama, bah- Bahaman water out there rippling and the, rippling and sparkling in the sunlight. I but do what I do.
1: But do you get like uh, – I was wondering about this because I was in Hawaii a few months mm-hmm. ago and I was talking to some friends. Humble who, brag. Humble brag. Well, <laughs> no, I mean it was, it was, it was his birthday. I, I had a reason. I was just going there. Um, but the thing is I was talking with my buddies who live out there and they were talking about like getting rock fever or island fever. Does that ever happen to you, like being there? Oh, 100%.
3: I mean, it's been really hard through the pandemic, obviously, because you can't just jump out and and go wherever you want to go, obviously. And that's around the world. But, you know, there's definitely island fever. If you're coming from other places, maybe if you were born here, it's not so much. Uh, but I mean, every like three months, I got to at least jump to Miami or, or maybe go to, to be honest, even another like out island of the Bahamas, because we have 700 islands in the Bahamas. Uh, I live in New Providence, which everybody knows is Nassau. Uh, but there's some other beautiful out islands that even if you just get off this rock to another rock, you feel like you went somewhere. Um, yeah. But it's it's 100 percent necessary. I, I, I my sanity uh, wouldn't be the same if I didn't get off. And the lucky thing for us. Because my wife and I moved from New York City and we love New York City so much um, it's it's a quick two and a half hour flight uh, direct flight to New right. York and it runs all the time. So we're really fortunate to have that to to get out too.
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean the uh, I, I can't believe I never got out there when I was living in New York City because it is so close and a lot of people yeah. do make that journey. I mean like so my friend Caleb, who lives in Hawaii, he said he he took up surfing not because it was like a thing to do. Uh, to be, like, more beachy kind of island guy. <laughs> right, right. He said that he took up surfing so he could paddle out and look back at the island, and that helped him with uh, with island fever. He felt like <laughs> he got enough away. Uh, yeah, I... Part of away. I, I I'd love to say I could do something like that, but
3: when I'm in the ocean and seaweed touches me, I scream. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm that guy. So, well, I, yeah. you know, I, I love looking at the ocean. I, I prefer being on a boat when I go out in the ocean, but, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's a little bit intimidating out there for me. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it man, The ocean the, is no joke. No, I'm such, no. I'm such the opposite, though. Oh, uh, <laughs> I want to be in that water all the time. I don't care how deep it is oh, or how man. far we are from land. Um That's, I wish. But you got a pretty interesting trail that led you there. Um, you lived, as you just mentioned, you lived here in New York City, uh, mm-hmm. and you were working in uh, bars, uh, bars and restaurants. It looks mm-hmm. like, um, notably, uh, the Spice Market from Jean George. Um, but then uh, it says here you took a break from hospitality to become a teacher. What were you? You know, I was a teacher myself. I was teaching culinary. What were you teaching? So I. Um my whole life, I thought I
3: was just going to be a teacher. Um, and you know, when I was first bartending, it was in Savannah, Georgia, I went to school at uh, SCAD uh, Savannah college of art and design. And, uh, like most people, you take up bartending as kind of like in the meantime. Uh, but I kind of fell in love with it then. And when I moved to New York city with my wife, she was in fashion. Uh, when I moved there, I continued bartending and that's when, um, I really got into it at, at John George at, at, uh, sorry, spice market. But, like some people who have that kind of, uh, like, what am I doing moment? Like, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Or do I need to quote unquote, grow up? I kind of had that like, okay, maybe I should go get a, a different job. Um, even though the entire time I was just dreaming of going back to bartending. Um, so what I ended up doing is I ended up teaching, uh, in New York city for about six years, um, at the Dalton school. Um, I taught, uh, PE. And then I went on to teach art as well. Um, that was kind of my calling. I I wanted to be an art teacher. I always thought art was what I was going to be teaching my whole life. Um, but again, I just got that bug, uh, in hospitality industry. I don't, some, some say why, but, um, uh, I just loved it. I just love being around people. and, And the cocktails part of it is something that I just carried with me the entire time. And even when I was teaching, I was like writing little book, like notes and books and cocktails for my friends and and stuff like that. So it just it, when I got back here, when I got to the Bahamas, and this opportunity arose, I was just like, all right, it's time to maybe take control over and 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 find your happiness and in, in what you you feel like your calling was. So uh, you know, I'm I'm happy as a teacher. I love kids. I've always thought I was going to be a teacher, but you know, real world kind of brings you into and experiences bring you into what you know, maybe you didn't know you wanted to do. Um, and that all started for me really, uh, bartending at spice market. So,
2: yeah, man, I mean, life takes you places and speaking of taking you places, uh, obviously then you, you met, you met your wife or you had your wife and you, you, you decided to go back to her home, the Bahamas, uh, and then you kicked off an import business, uh, with a friend, right? Yeah. So, uh,
3: my best buddy down here was, uh, just importing some wine, like literally like five or ten Burgundy wines, uh, because this island is so. At the moment, at the time, you really could only get like, like, if you wanted a gin martini, you could only find Bombay, Tanqueray, and maybe Gordons, and that's all you could could really bring in. And the same goes with wine. Like it was the, the kind of big houses, the um, uh, large uh, corporation kind of wines. Um, so what we kind of decided to do is tap into that kind of family-run and craft market and and give people options of great choices rather than finding the same things at every single restaurant. We were like, hey, well, we have this beautiful family-run vineyard from uh, Burgundy. Um, uh, or I, I started bringing in kind of Sipsmith, and uh, that's when they were still in the garage, and, you know, the craft spirits and saying, look, give your people another option because the tourists that are coming down to us are from the big cities. You know, we have... New York, Toronto, London, Miami—those are the people that are really coming to us a lot, and they right. they they expect that kind of quality. And especially, you know, island prices are New York City prices. Um, so if you're if you're down yeah. here and you're paying if you're paying sixteen dollars for a Manhattan or eighteen dollars for a Manhattan, and you're getting nothing wrong with Evan Williams, but you're getting Evan Williams, um, you know, you're you're kind of expecting something a little different than you know that, and like Martini Rossi or or, or something like that. So. Now, what we tried to do is fill those those gaps in those markets and bring in the right products for, for the for the people. And, and really, it just kind of exploded. It, just kind of, it, it took off. We grew organically. Um, we, we started bringing in bigger brands and stuff like that. Uh, Evian came to us. And then all of a sudden, we became the number one producer or uh, distributor, Evian, Evian in the Caribbean. Um, you know, it, it, it just grew organically. And we didn't want to go overboard with it, but we wanted to hit the right people, not it was more quality over quantity is our –
2: Yeah, of course. Evo. you can, Basically what you're doing is you're somehow uh, – at least uh, in the beginning there, you're curating what the island is going to have on offer not only at your right. place but at, at, at places because you were, you were a distributor. You were bringing it in and selling it to other people, right? Right, right. And then you uh, made the decision to crack open a craft cocktail bar in the Bahamas, which <laughs> at the time I'm certain was an unusual thing. We talked off air about yeah. how that's just you know I grew up on a beach. That's just not what you think of when you go to the beach. You're not thinking right. to yourself, "Man, my toes are in the sand. It's a hundred degrees. Uh, there's uh, salt water on, on my skin. How about a tasty Manhattan?" <laughs> uh, you know, like it's just not what pops to mind at first. Um, but so you decided to do that. But you came up against a hurdle, which was no one. On that island that came to you for work had ever bartended. So suddenly you had to put your teacher hat back on. I want to talk about that when we come back, but we should yeah. probably stop and take a break and hear from our sponsors. So we'll come right back and keep talking to Kyle Jones about teaching on the island. Damon, did you know that Diageo Bar Academy is the marquee sponsor for the 2021 Tales of the Cocktail Spirit Awards, of which we are once again nominated for Best Podcast, Broadcast, or Video Series?
1: Sure did, Souther. You know, the cool thing is, is that it's been so much fun working with Diageo and the Bar Academy because not only are they a sponsor for the Tales Awards, which we, as you mentioned, are nominated for, again, for the fourth year in a row, <laughs> every year that it's been a category for that's Podcasts, right. Podcasts, Podcast and Online Series, um, but also it, the website just keeps getting cooler and cooler. And, you know, if... If you're not a part of the Diageo Bar Academy, you should definitely go to diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Because for me, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but like, you know, being bar owners and managers, you know, there's like so much stuff on the website that is useful for what we do. I I keep talking about one of my favorite things is the cocktail calculator, you know, like you can actually like work on the pricing. It's one of my favorite things about, uh, you know, a lot of people find it kind of daunting like working out pricing for menu. I love it because it's, you can really figure out a way to make things profitable while also making them a nice price for your guests, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and it's it's a great tool to have at your disposal. And again, it's offered for one hundred percent free through the uh, through the Diageo Bar Academy uh, uh, website. Um, and yeah, we, I use it with my teams at the at the various bars that I have oversight of. Um, and it's I think the bigger part for me is the sheer amount of available education, not just from that tool, which is certainly an educational tool, but just the sheer amount of education that you can get from this website that's been around for a decade already. um, And and now they're really doing this huge push for the Bar Academy and I think it's I think it's brilliant again that low bar of entry being 100% free all you need is the internet and you can get on Uh, and then I highly highly recommend that you get on their newsletter it comes at you once a week and it kind of keeps you informed and apprised of what is happening currently like I said the website's got an archive of 10 years but uh, the newsletter will keep you kind of current on what's going on
1: yeah totally I mean like for me it's I get like the New York Times I get Diageo Bar Academy and you know, some other things. Something, like, gu- something guitars, about motorcycles.
2: I'm, sur- yeah. I'm certain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that's how I start my week off is with the Ashoka Bar Academy's newsletter, and it's really great. You know, especially right now, I can't make it to all these bars and seminars and everything that's going on in the world. But you know what, I can do is I can open my inbox and check out the Ashoka Bar Academy.
2: Yeah, and stay current. So again, that's diageo.baracademy.com. Go sign up for the newsletter. Uh, we'll see you there.
1: And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio today, we have Cal Jones coming to us from the Bahamas. Jealous? Um, super, <laughs> so, super jealous. And we've been talking a little bit, started touching on Bon Vivant's his bar. And it, it, so one thing that I want to say to back up to the first half of the show uh, is that, you know, it's, it, it reminds me of something that happened like about 10 years ago. I was on a motorcycle ride upstate. upstate New York and we stopped at this little place and you know we're used to and I'm not advocating for drinking and driving by the way but (laughs) um, we were (laughs) we stopped at this place for brunch and uh, I noticed that they had like Fernet Branca and Carpana Antica and like all these like like they had uh, there was like a bottle of Malort on the back bar which is super obscure and like you don't really find that outside of Chicago and I was Mm -hmm. just like what the fuck is this place like who are these people i gotta know who like opened this place and it turns out of course they were from the city they came from new york city and so they were used to all these obscure kind of esoteric spirits and they brought it with them because they were like well no one has this here and it sounds similar to what you did um in a way like in i'm not saying this in a negative way it, it i think it's this is how things change but like it's like kind of self-serving, right? Because you got used to being able to go into these bars and order proper cocktails made with proper spirits, right? And you you saw a need for that on the island, correct? Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's completely self-serving, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> your, your your handle on Instagram is Mr. Sazerac. I yeah, exactly. You're a Sazerac drinker.
3: <laughs> yeah. So um, I was actually spinning to, to southern when when I first started uh, the. Uh, when I first got here, um, like I told you that the drinks just weren't there and the cocktail culture is just, just non-existent. Um, and I'm a Sazerac guy. So when I went to do bar trainings and stuff like that, I would put on, I, I did some menu creation and all that for a bunch of bars around here, but I, w- I would purposely put on Sazeracs just to make sure that I could go somewhere to drink them. But the problem was, this is bef- pre-distribution too. When I was working with distribution, there was no American rye and there was no, uh, Peychaud's on this island, period. Um, so that was my first task as a distributor was I was going to bring in, I, I reached out to Michters, uh, I got Mictors, and I got Peixot's. Um And then from there, I literally could make Sazerac's around the island. Um, so yeah, it, completely self-serving, uh, especially when I was going to those restaurants for distribution. But now with, with Bon Vivant, you know, I can control the quality of those drinks. You know, I can make sure that if you're coming to Bon Vivant, you're going to have exactly what you wanted and exactly what you ordered, you know, the classic style, the classic training, all that kind of stuff. You know, when it comes to, you know, if you want a cognac, uh, Sazerac, we can do that too. You know, whatever you want, at least we are doing our best to train our bartenders, uh, to do it the right way. Um, and noting on what we spoke about before too, is, um, what you mentioned is my bartenders started pretty much from scratch. Um, if we had anybody who was uh, had any experience, it was maybe I worked at Sandals serving rum and cokes. Um, so you know, I lit- I had to kind of sit down. We took three months before we opened. Um, we didn't we didn't um, open our doors for three months just so we could train the team on simple things: when to stir, when to shake, when to uh, um, wow. you know dr- dry shake. I mean, I'm talking about like from the basics, beginnings, and um, you know, we went through every spirit like what is gin made from? Um, where is where is bourbon have to be made? And, and how long is it aged? Like we went through every single aspect um, and, and took three months to do it. And it was a military style training day, morning to night kind of stuff. But it was exciting, you know, and they were excited. And there was something that has never been done on the island. So um, we had this amazing, amazing uh, response from the locals uh, uh, when we opened because it was the first craft cocktail bar on the island. Um, you could go to mega resorts, you could go to Atlantis, you could go to Mar, and you have those corporate kind of, uh, feeling places, um, that were obviously put together by a team who never bartended, um, but still serving decent drinks, but they're not, you know, they're not putting their heart and soul into it. Kind of. At, at, There's
2: like um, an intimacy level that's missing. There in is, places, there is, you know? there
3: is, it's, it's almost like drinking in a warehouse. Um, you know, and, and for us, what I wanted to do with Bombay Vaughn was create a space that was intimate. Exactly. That was the right word. Intimate that made you feel like you were maybe being transported away from, uh, ironically enough, away from the Bahamas, uh, 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 you know, because we aren't uh, like, like what what Southern was saying.
2: I came all the way down from New York to be
3: transported
2: back to New York for a
3: minute.
1: Well, you can go step I, out the door and go to the beach. But, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's the same as like when people come to New York city and then they go to like a, you know like a chili tiki (laughs) bar whatever it might be you know like yeah yeah. i'm I'm not saying like the quality but like yeah that familiarity yeah Yeah. something that's like makes it's their like happy place you know and like for for, like people like us it's like yeah i mean like i you know i would love to go to the to bahamas to like to hang out and chill on the beach and have like my ties yeah whatever but then like There's going to be part of it. It's like, where can I go get a martini now? (laughs) You know, right, right. Like it's it's nighttime
2: now. I want to have a a nice meal, and I want to cap it off with a with a nice, you know, stirred boozy ass cocktail.
1: Yeah, and even even bartenders had like even seen like a bar spoon before.
3: (laughs) <laughs> oh, if they saw a bar spoon, it it, it it was it was one of those ones you buy off the side of the road or something like that. If, yeah. it, it, it's, it's like it's how not, do you
2: eat soup with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, so yeah, I mean, even the equipment, and we we would drill them on. You know, what, literally, like I would start every single training um, repetitious training of, of what is this? Hawthorne. What is this? Julep. What is this? Every single day I would run down the line of every single piece of equipment. So it was like drilled into their head. Um, and, and then you, and you
2: started importing cocktail kingdoms tools,
3: right? Yeah. And then I have, yeah, we have cocktail kingdom, uh, as part of my distribution business. So I'm able to have access to all that kind of stuff and, and, you know, make life easier for me in, in that kind of terms, because otherwise I won't be able to have that kind of equipment here. So
2: let's talk a little bit about how you, feel that you're on an island of, of your own kind of, uh, metaphorically, uh, for, as far as, you know, representation and maybe the press and things like that go. And then, and then, you know, we talked about TOTC a little bit earlier, Tales of mm-hmm. Cocktail. Um, you, you got recognized by them. Yeah, that was a huge honor.
3: Um, actually my, uh, um, uh, just to go on that one really quick, my best buddy from New York City who I used to bartend with at Spice Market, his name's um, Jasper. Uh, and Jasper ended up being part of you know Pegu and, and a couple other places. And he ended up opening up Mulberry Project in, in uh, New York City and uh, now is now in Tulum. Um, he called me uh, out of the blue one day. It's middle pandemic, probably two weeks into our pan- into pandemic, he goes, hey, congratulations, mate. I'm like, for what? And he was like, uh, <laughs> He's like, you just got nominated. I said, nominated for what? And he's like, for tales. I was like, get the fuck out of here, and and he he was like, yeah. You and I both got it for whatever, and it came out of the blue. And I was just like, so shocked that we were in the mix because you know we were the only bar in the Caribbean to be uh, nominated um, for that, and and you know it was such an honor, obviously for us. But it was a shock because you know the 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 place, the big city places are rightfully. Um, um, always in the news and in, the, in, in the, the the mouths of the people who are, are speaking it, you know, uh, New York City and Miami and, um, uh, you know, London, the, the, the main places, Chicago, those kind of places. Um, but a lot of us in the Caribbean and, and the smaller markets, you really don't get that kind of recognition. I mean, and and especially in the Caribbean area, unless it's Puerto Rico, you hear pretty much nothing about cocktail bars. Um and one of it, you know, one of it, part of it is because there's not that many craft cocktail bars down here, and I get that part of it. But even the ones that are here that are really doing well, and and I know that there are some other other islands out there that have some great programs. You know, they're not they're not in the mix, um, and they're not really being talked about. So when I saw that, it made me really excited, not only for Bon my team and my staff, considering where we came from, from literally teaching them what is in gin to being nominated for Tales of the Cocktail Award, but also, you know, it made me excited because maybe some other Caribbean islands can get some recognition and maybe, maybe we'll be part of the, the, the talk now. Um, and that, that made me excited for kind of the overall, uh, um, area that, 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 Hey, maybe they're paying attention to us now kind of thing. So,
2: well, right. I mean, you know, and not to blow our own horn here, but here Mm -hmm. you are on the show. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, I
3: know, I know, and that's amazing. It, it's been absolutely I,
2: amazing. Yeah. What, it, what? It, I have to know. It's all I'm picturing in my mind is sort of like the the feeling of the team from, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the Jamaican bobsled team. You know, like <laughs> like what what uh, did this do for the morale of your team? To be like, we went from less yeah. than a year ago not even being able to correctly identify a yeah. julep from a hawthorn to we're now uh, nominated for the regional best new international cocktail bar for Tales of the Cocktail 2020.
3: I mean, it was huge, and, and it was a shame because we couldn't get together to celebrate together because we were in lockdown, right. uh, but everybody was just pumped. I mean, these guys are literally, even before this, um, they're kind of, I would say, almost local celebrities around here. Like, people know, um, we, we have, our clientele is really that young, professional, kind of hip crowd in the most part, and these guys are just part of it now. I mean, they're, they, they are, are literally local celebrities around here, so. That's so cool, man. It yeah, really is. it's been it's been fun. I mean, it just like I love to be a part of it and it's been fun being a part of it. But honestly, the fact that we can throw that kind of stuff on these guys who and and girls who work so hard to get to where they're at because it was not easy for any of us, even for them, you know. Uh we went and did the story tours. I actually took them uh our bar team to Miami. We we did some sit downs with Sweet Liberty, we did some sit downs with Broken Shaker um in 20 Twenty, we were supposed to come up to New York City with my whole team, and we were supposed to do some some tours. Actually, more and Margot, more I, I was bringing them there. Um, but uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to host you. Please bring the team. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, it's 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 been so fun to to go from literally zero to, to I mean, we're not a hundred now, but you know, wherever we are, it's 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 been an awesome
1: ride for sure. How has it been with the the staff? I mean, like as far as their camaraderie and like, are, are they like? Kind of digging into it together and like, yeah, everything oh. like old recipes and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah.
3: It's, it's, it's what, that's the other great thing to see is literally our team. And this is, this is that typical word that everybody uses, you know, the word family. Um, but quite literally, they, they, they have become this like little brotherhood and, you know, they, when they're off, they hang out at Bombay they bring their friends and they hang out at the bar they work at, you know, so that is the greatest sort of compliment to me. It's that a point my th- of pride, right? Yeah, it really is. I have guys, I have uh, two of my guys got Bonny Von tattoos. I'm like, wow, what? Like, that's amazing. Um, you starting your own <laughs> EO down <yeah>. there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, and it, that really is such a prideful thing for me to see the people who they work five, six days a week on their night off, they come and drink, you know, with their friends at Bonnie Vivant. So, you know, that kind of stuff really, touches me in in that way that, that we put a place together that people want to come and the people who work there don't hate it so much after a shift that they still want to stay there, you know? So.
1: I would rather have my staff hanging out at my bar for, you know, when I, if I ever want to take a break, which I never do, I can just be like, Hey, yeah.
0: someone jump out here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to go exactly. on walk real quick. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Always capitalizing on that. Um <laughs>
1: But what i've yeah, also, it, what also it, found those other i don't know if this has happened your bar uh in town sure it's happened mm-hmm. you were just like there are times where like a grand army there you know there will be like three bartenders behind the bar and then all of a sudden there's like five bartenders because you know our staff will pop by and then they're like hey i had this idea for this cocktail can i jump back there and like try, yeah. to try it out you know, in, in, you know, impromptu r d yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like friday night in the middle of like the heat And you've got five bartenders back there, like making drinks for each other. Yeah. yeah. You're still getting stuff done, but it's like, it's, it's a fun thing. And honestly, I think guests really like it. I think think the customers really like it. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um,
2: Yeah. It makes them feel like they're part of the process.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, So you've got your uh, distribution business, you've got Mm -hmm. Bon Vivant's, and now you're working on a new project called Yellow Bell. Yes. Um, and you're again kind of starting from scratch. You're, you're assembling a team who've never bartended before, right? <laughs> uh, and and starting the process over. Talk about that, and what's driving you to do that?
3: Um, you know, the, the the kind of demand and success of, of Bon Bon, even for those first whatever it was nine months before the pandemic was it was quite apparent, and and we had quite a few offers to expand uh, and and franchise uh, the brand. Um, it, it, even in like Turks and Caicos and and in the states, we had people coming and 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 people wanting to fund this. Um, but I have a five year old and a three year old, and like I told you, I'm OCD, and and I, I just knew I needed to be a, a big part of it and and be there for it. So I, w- I didn't feel comfortable doing that right now. Um, um, but when this opportunity arose, um, there's this incredible, absolutely beautiful boutique hotel here uh, called the Island House, um, and it's 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 talk about luxury and and just just they get it right and we had a great synergy with them um it kind of got brought to the table is hey we have this little coffee bar so to speak it's called the coffee bar um but they don't really use it for a bar at all at nighttime. so so they have two restaurants on property but no proper cocktail bar um and i was just like that makes so much sense i mean this this it's right next to my home um we have a perfect synergy already um and to be quite honest, for me, it I don't have to worry about managing the day-to-day because they have a staff there, right? They have management. They have all that kind of stuff. So the day-to-day part of it can be their kind of headache. And my headache is the cocktail program, the beverage program. Um, and with that all said, what I wanted to do is I decided I'm not going to franchise Bon Vivant. I wanted to create new new places and new concepts and, you know, that way you can keep it fresh and people can go to Bali Bon Friday and yellow bell on on Saturday and feel like you're in two different, uh, uh, atmospheres. Um, so what we did is we created a a, a place, it's called yellow bell. It's actually people around here. Don't, don't call it yellow bell. Um, but, uh, our our national flower is called a yellow elder, um, and a worldly nickname for a yellow elder is a yellow bell. So that's the, the idea behind it. Um, but it's just, just really, it's going to have a bit of Asian influence. Um, uh, the, it's going to be like an Asian bar bites menu, and then have like twenty cocktails on on the menu. Really, Asian inspired ingredients and, and a lot of local ingredients. Going to do actually some frozen drinks, non blender frozen drinks, which I don't do at Bobby because I hate blenders. Um, so, but but you know, where you are in the Bahamas, like you said, people want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to create some there as well. So it, it, it's going to be a new concept, but it's going to be fun and um, just just something different on the
2: island again. I mean, you know, you, you get to the place, uh, you know, I, I've said it a million times on the show. I say it in life all the time. Uh, it takes a decade to be an overnight success. You, you didn't get here as overnight as it seems, but suddenly then all the work comes at you, right? I also say yeah. the the, uh, the reward for hard work is more work. Um, yeah. You're doing good work and then people see that. So they ask you, oh, can you do some work for me? Right. Um, so you just get more work piled on you. Right. Um, I still applaud your rising to the challenge of just taking completely uh, green isn't even a good enough word. People who literally never held a bar spoon uh, and building these programs. Uh, And I think that's, that's to be commended and pretty amazing.
3: I appreciate it. I mean, it's be quite honest. It's part out of necessity, but it's also uh, um, it's a, it's a fun challenge for me. You know, it's, it's a rewarding challenge to be quite honest. Um when, when I see these guys, I, I just get a sense of pride. When go I'm sitting at the bar, my bar or my office is the bar now at Bombay Bond, And I just watch these guys making drinks for, you know, three deep or whatever it is. And I'm just watching them pumping them out. And, like there's such a sense of pride that, you know, this guy literally didn't know when to shake or stir, you know, a year ago. And um, and now they're just if you walked up to him and you said, I want XYZ, you know whatever it is, they'll be able to do it. Even the class, like, like
1: an XYZ so. cocktail, and they would no sure. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they say, the,
3: yeah, yeah. They would say yeah. Yeah, so good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Talk about your clientele a little bit. You know, uh, you are uh, on an island, but you said you're not. You're not positioned on the beach. Uh, what's sort of the percentage breakdown of your um, your guests? Are they you know mostly tourist driven, mostly local driven, fifty fifty? Where's it um, land?
3: No, we are. We are. Very, very much so local driven. Um, But we do have quite a bit of tourists come through and and the tourists usually come through because of recommendations from the hotels or um, a lot come through because of our Instagram. We have a nice following on Instagram. People like to look at it. We have some pretty pictures and all that kind of stuff. And obviously it's a very photographic kind of uh, a bar. So that's a draw. Um, But I would say 80% of our our clientele or our locals. Um, and it's, yeah. And, and, and to be honest, it's a blessing because that's what carried us through this pandemic. Uh, if we relied heavily on tourism, we, we wouldn't be in business right now. I wouldn't even be talking to you guys. Sure, Um, so thank God we have such a strong following from the locals and they really, they really, um, really banded together and helped us through the pandemic. And you would see people showing up just, just, they weren't even, like, trying to, like, sit down and order drinks. They just wanted to give us some money to keep us going. And it was, it was amazing. Um, so we, re- we really appreciate the kind of local uh, love that we have. Um, but like you said, we're not a beach that's oh, – sorry, we're not a bar that's on the beach. So it's not like tourists are coming to us just to come have a, a, a Mai Tai and sit and watch sunset. We're, we're literally a, a place that you come to before dinner, after dinner, um, and, and have an intimate experience, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I guess I wasn't factoring in the time correctly, but if you were nominated for top 10 new in 2020, that means you only opened in 2019. What, right. what month What month did you crack the doors open in 2019? Uh, April. I think it was April. Yeah, April. So you had, so you had a, almost a, a solid year's run before the pandemic started making yeah. things wonky. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, fun. I mean,
3: we were rolling, man. I mean, it was it was amazing. Like I said, the local response was amazing. We were getting some... Uh, great international press and all that stuff. And then, you know, just like the rest of the world, uh, we took a big hit and here we are. But uh, yeah, I, I can only complain as much as the next person because we're all going through it,
2: so. Right. Well, and, and it seems like, again, maybe if there's a silver lining here, Damon, I'm going to spot a silver lining. Get ready. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I know. Maybe if there, maybe if there's a silver lining here, uh, it, it the, the pandemic pushed locals to your door. Which gives you a good foundation, and then as the pandemic hopefully subsides, you'll also influx tourism, right? And then you'll just have a, a really nice base of locals that are always there, and the tourists that want to come yeah. there because they've heard about you through things like this, through tales of the cocktail, through um, through the press that you're getting in your Instagram handle.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 definitely a, a great balance for us. I mean, if we can stay local heavy, local kind of oriented, and and still have that that kind of influx of uh, uh, tourists, especially the educated kind of cocktail drinkers that that are looking for that experience, then then obviously that's where we want to sit.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, in your notes that you sent over to us, you talk about uh, your the role that you're playing uh, to sort of uplift the marginalized uh, people that are there in the islands.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you want to get into that with us a little bit? And talk to us how you're,
3: yeah, how, you're it's how you're
2: advocating for.
3: Yeah. So that's obviously a pretty heavy subject, but uh, it's, uh, you know, and this is, I have to be careful not to say the wrong thing, obviously, here as far as uh, bashing the island in any way. But, um, you know, in most islands and most uh, places, we're we're always uh, quite a few steps behind in certain aspects, whether that's getting a movie months after it's been out, uh, you know, something materialistic like that. Uh, I think I mentioned about the fact that nobody here on this island even drank Mezcal until we forced it down their throat. Um, and then uh, the more important issues are these kind of basic human rights kind of issues. Um, we, we are quite a few steps behind in, in those. Um, you know, the LGBTQ community is, is, uh, is quite, is extremely marginalized. Um, and, and what we have tried to do and, and women's rights and, and things like that. Uh, what we've tried to do is kind of be the platform and kind of be a, uh, outspoken supporter, um, on an Island where we have, I think 400 some thousand people in this, in, in the Bahamas, um, you know, people are scared to speak out for these rights. I mean, businesses just don't do it. There's no, there's no rainbow flags. There's no, um, post on, on pride month or anything like that. So our goal was kind of to be at the forefront for it, making sure that those marginalized or those that, that weren't, didn't have a voice, had a voice and that they knew that we had a safe safe space for them. Um, And when people would come out on social media or whatever it was, we would make sure that we were the ones being combative towards them. You know, we made sure that, that if you said something nasty, we made sure we call you out and say, you're an idiot for saying that. Um, just recently, we had a bloody Christian council here who has way too much control over our government. Uh, the Christian council uh, uh, bashed the U.S. embassy for flying a, a, a rainbow flag, a gay pride flag. And, and obviously, we weren't okay with that. So we went out all off of uh, the Christian council and was like, who do you think you are, blah, blah, blah. And you know, without them being contested, everybody would think that's just okay. And, right. and that's the way it's supposed to be. And this island is this snap. We just, we just always try to take a stance for what we think is right and try to at least guide people in the right direction and, and say, look, you aren't different. You aren't wrong. You be you. And, and, and we're here for you if you need us. And, and create that space that if you want to come drink with us, there's none of that kind of shit that's going to happen in our place. Um, and, and as long as we're vocal about it, I think it's starting to, to catch on over the last two years. We're seeing more businesses actually post things during pride month I'm, I'm seeing some flags here and there and it's such a a great thing to see um and i'm not saying that we are the reason for that but at least
1: we're, we're there trying to fight for that it's so funny to me because you know like you think about the bahamas you think about just like any caribbean island you know like these are kind of like a tropical kind of paradise getaway for people and it's like you don't really think about cultural yeah kind of like the they like the, the kind of restrictive cultural kind of things that are happening like that, you know, you think about like, Oh, everything, everything's cool here. Like everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Everything's yeah. beautiful.
2: We're on an Island.
1: Yeah. We all go to work on the beach and sip drinks on the beach. Yeah. That's yeah, what we exactly. do for a living. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting to even yeah. like consider this and talk about it because I certainly didn't, I I don't know. Southern, if you have seen any of that kind of stuff, but like um, I guess we're, we're, you know, stuck in the United States doing, you know, non-tropical things. Yeah. It's <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, it is really funny, I mean, like, just to think about, like, how that, I mean, yeah, the Christian Council involvement, it must be pretty insane there. Because, I mean, thinking just about, like, how all these islands, like, there are all these Christian and Catholic, you know, missions missionaries that would go out and kind of like show that got in your throat yep. instead of, instead yep. of mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
3: I mean, this island is, is very, very strong Christian uh, oriented. And, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, obviously I teach around whatever religion you want to follow and stuff like that. But the problem is it it really is controlling um, in a lot of aspects. Um, you know, just to I'll give you one example, about five years ago, I think. So we had a, a, a vote here because currently uh, women do not have the same uh rights as men uh, which is mind-boggling so one one thing that was was an a, a hot topic was um if a, if a man had a had a baby out of wedlock um that baby would receive bahamian citizenship so I, i'm sorry if they were outside of the bahamas so if let's say a bahamian was living in new york city and a man had a had a baby with a woman in New York City, an American, that baby becomes, can become a Bahamian citizen. If a woman, if the world were reversed and a woman had a baby, let's say my wife, here we go. My wife, when we were living in New York City, if we had my children in New York City, they would not be Bahamian. For what I for what reason? I have no idea. But that that was a hot topic because why do men get to pass down their Bahamian citizenship but but women don't. And and so we had this vote five years ago to write it, to make it okay. Um, uh, And believe it or not, it didn't pass. Um, Part of the reason was the Christian council was out there saying, well, if you open this up, then all of a sudden you're going to allow homosexuals to to be able to have uh, their partners be (laughs) Bahamian. Like the most absurd shit that you could think of like that was coming out of these people's mouths. And... The craziest part to be quite honest was the amount of women that voted against it. Uh, uh local women that voted against it. And all of us were just holding our heads like, What just happened? Like this seems like such an obvious shoe-in to be like, look, let's have everybody have equal rights. And somehow it, it got voted down. And it's still a, a hot topic, but it's it's we got other things to worry about, I think, right now. So
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you're out there, sort of literally and metaphorically, raising a flag to say we're here and we're inclusive and we want you yeah. to come and see us and hang out and have a great time in our in our places of business and yeah. hopefully on hopefully on the island at large. Um, and I'm sure that will drive decision making. You know, I'm sure that'll um, drive someone to say, do they want a vacation there or not? Yeah. Um, and that'll drive business to you, and then that's what happens. Uh, as as much as we all. To cry and hate capitalism strangely <laughs> capitalism can move the needle on these things exactly um you know if uh, if a business realizes that they can make more money by um, participating and being inclusive then they will and then if enough businesses do it then it's just the norm yep yep so it's a strange 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 route to get yeah. to the to the to get to the to the ultimate goal
3: sorry i told <laughs> you i was gonna go deep there that's all right man that's good that's <laughs> i good. went far away from drinking i need a drink after that it's, it's better here uh
2: that's right. also. Um, so uh, I have just one sort of quick question regarding yeah. the island itself um, uh, you know most uh, beach uh, locales are, are, are seasonal what, what is the season there in Nassau so
3: yeah it's a good question um, we do have seasons um, uh, winter is a great time for us um, kind of into January and and, and throughout because I think a lot of people are trying to escape um mm-hmm. you know their 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 weather but also it kind of the the heat tones down a little bit here by tones down it's like 80 degrees instead of 90 degrees when i say mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. uh but it starts slowing down in the kind of really humid months the june julys and stuff like that now this year has been completely different you know when the the uh, travel restrictions and all that kind of have, have uh, diminished all of a sudden we were just, we've been busy nonstop. There's no tourist season. It's just, everybody's been coming. Um, and the hotels are packed. Um, it's, it's mostly American tourists cause it's so easy for them to jump from there to here. Um, so, so, you know, there really isn't a, a, a season, so to speak now, but before it was, you know, mostly in the winter and, and those kind of cooler months where we were able to, uh, uh, get people away from the snow.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, man, I'm itching to come down and see you. Uh, You know, my buddy James Toon was down there. Uh, uh, What what was he doing with you while he was there?
3: Well, he he came down to do a nice little boat trip. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, I actually knew James. uh, Turned out I knew James back when I was bartending at Spice Market. Uh, He's a good buddy Uh. of Jasper's, too. So he came through and... um, yeah, you know, we're going to work on getting Katana down here as well and, and do some some uh, collaborations up there. Um, so we actually just got done with a collaboration with a, a beautiful, incredible bar out in San Diego called Kindred. Yeah, um, I love Kindred. Kindred. Places are yeah, awesome. That's uh, amazing. So we did a, a full... Well, we did a full month and they're doing three months. It actually ends, if I'm allowed to plug it, uh, it yeah. ends in two weeks um, out there. And what we did is we did three of their cocktails on our menu uh, and they did three of their cocktails, or sorry, three of our cocktails on their menu. Um, and it exploded, man. It was amazing. Um, uh, Corey, one of the owners out there, was telling me that uh, uh, the demand for that first week was was incredible. Like um, the drink that we serve uh, that, we sell, that, that we put on their menu was actually served out a little swimming pig, so to speak, uh, no, it is a swimming pig, uh, tiki mug. And Jane, or, uh, Corey said that uh, they didn't have them, so they put it in like a cognac kind of cup. And when people saw the picture of the swimming pig, they came for the swimming pig picture. And he said there was like a riot that first week that people were so pissed off that they didn't have this this little pig mug So that he was like, he he wrote me that same night. He's like, dude, what just happened? He's like, "Uh, where do I get the mugs? let me get them. I'll buy 40 of them now. So he bought 40 of them. He brought them in. He decided to sell them with the drink. And he's like, I need 40 more. I got to go buy 40 more. Right. Was just, it, it, was, it was just like a fun other collaboration because we can't do these in-person ones. So it's fun to do these little virtual ones. And, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to bring that kind of other places. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm searching for some other places to do that, to bring. Condit- I in. Mean, let's Columbus. do it in this All right, let's <laughs> do it, man. I'm serious. Let's make this happen.
2: You know, my bar is all tequila and mezcal. You 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 seem to be a Mezcal lover, so let's, I let's do. get it. I do. Let's let's get it on. All right. I'm in. That's uh out. listen, Kyle, what a great conversation we've had with you. Thanks so much for giving your time of to course. us uh, well, Thank from you Bahamas. Guys. I know you're I know you're probably rather be sitting on the beach. because uh, that's all <laughs> I assume you do really. Yeah. Um uh that's all i would do if i lived there uh you mentioned your instagram handle is pretty popular uh what's that handle so people can follow along with what you're doing down there at bombivance in, in nassau
3: so it's just bombivance uh, bahamas um that is at, at bombivance bahamas on instagram um and then if you want to follow our, our new bar which we're starting a uh, new page for um it's in the midst of construction and all that but it's at, uh yellow bell bahamas
2: that's awesome. Um, are you are you going to be posting some sort of construction photos of yeah, building up? I, yeah. I love that. I love seeing the process.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to be posting some of the photos of the training as well, and and the guys kind of sitting at the bar, and you know the, the amount of money that we spend just on liquor and training is absurd, but uh, it's important. It's important. It, it is important. important part of the process. Yeah.
2: So Listen. it is. It's, if you're going to sell drinks, uh, training yeah. people to make good drinks is very important. Can't do it with water.
3: <laughs> Can't do it with water all the
2: time. So. That's right. <laughs> so. Um, well, again, Kyle, a really great conversation. Thanks for joining us today on the Speakeasy. Uh, I, that's all I've got, Damon. You want to take us out?
1: Yeah, that's it. Um, also, follow him at Mister. Sazerac. That's his <laughs> personal Instagram. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, when you were talking about like sitting in the beach uh, in a beach chair with your feet in the sand and ordering yeah, there's some of those pictures. Yeah, yeah there's some I mean, of those. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, when Souther said uh, ordering a Manhattan seemed weird to him, I was about to say ordering a Sazerac, and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your mistress says right um, you But go. yeah, it's been really great having you on the show today Really appreciate you taking the time to do it And really, we're really excited to come I mean, Southern, we need to make a trip to Mahamas too Please, please man, to please And do it Absolutely, absolutely buddy. <laughs> And we can do Well, it. let me
3: just say, let me just say, guys I just, I really appreciate you guys asking me on it, it It's quite an honor and, and I, um, I told everybody I was just like holy shit, I'm going to be on their podcast. So uh, honestly, I, it really means a lot. Um, uh, you guys are doing amazing
1: stuff, and I, I appreciate all you do. Oh, man, thank hey, you. Thanks, Kyle.
3: Uh,
1: awesome. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Till next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody.
0: So you don't the, devil with your
2: the Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritageradionetwork.
1: Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community?